Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you would speak directly into our spirit and our hearts, our minds. Lord, let there be a direct connection, Lord, between the seed and the soil so that there would be a great return. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast which thou hast. Let no man take thy crown. The insinuation of the scripture here is obvious. Heaven is not an accidental destination. How many of you have ever flown somewhere or planned a trip? You start out with a destination and then you book a flight or you map a course, right? Because you're not going to just accidentally show up in San Diego. You either book a flight there or you map a course there. You've got to get the right highway to get you there. Heaven is not an accidental destination. Everyone who gets there will be there intentionally. They're passing out my title today. And uh, it's probably the most basic bookmark you've ever had. But if you'll stick it in your Bible, I think it would be good for you to look at once in a while. Because my title today is, Heaven's Password is, I Got Over It. Everyone who gets to heaven is going to be there intentionally or on purpose. I want to share where this word originated with me. We were building this shelter house, I think it was 2009, and Brother Bird and myself and my dad and a few other men were there working, and I don't know really what we were talking about. Uh, obviously, it was days gone by in the church, and, and my, my dad began to tell a story about my grandmother uh, who had come into the church in the 40s, and, and my dad had just been born in the 40s. But um, as they began to go to church, he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and was baptized. Uh, but the story was about his baptism. And uh, my dad began to recall the story about when he was being baptized, there, there, there was a certain person in the church that used to do all the baptizing. Back in the old times, it was like, that was your job until eternity. <laughs> but something happened to that, that that person wasn't available that day. And so somebody else baptized my father and my grandmother got upset about it. She got offended that the, the, the other person, like it was a discounted, and I'm not dissing on my grandmother, but that's just the way it was back then. And, and so she, I, I guess she felt like it was, uh, you know, blue light special baptism or something. <laughs> like It wasn't just quite the same because the regular person didn't do it, and she got offended by that. And my dad was telling the story out here as we were working that, that how it bothered her, and it was all she could think about that week. And he said, I remember hearing her uh, just complain about it and was upset about it and was just hurt by it. And then he made this statement. He said, but she got over it. And immediately the Holy Ghost spoke to me 
and said, that's heaven's password. I got over it. In other words, if my grandmother would have decided not to get over that, it could have cost her her soul. You're saying, well, that's kind of petty, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of things that cost people their soul are petty. They're not worth it, but somehow there's an offense that happens, and if we don't deal with the offense properly, that begins to fester in our spirit, and you've heard the statement, a molehill becomes a mountain. And so... We have to understand that there is a certain mindset that we must all have that is this, amen. It doesn't matter what tries to come at me to offend me or dissuade me or get me off track. I refuse to let it do what it was intended to do, and I will not let it get the best of me, but I will overcome it. Amen. And uh, I began to think about all of the situations, and some are big, and, and some are small. And if we were passing this mic around today in your walk with God, I'm sure there are situations, and I believe that evidently there are things that we deal with today that are unresolved because the Lord put this word on my heart so strongly today, for today. Amen. And uh, he, there are some things that, that are big situations that we go through and, and opportunities for us to grab onto an offense or a hurt and sort of let that become our focal point and then there are small petty things but uh, it doesn't matter because some are trivial and some are significant but if they get our attention if they get the upper hand in our life then they are controlling us there will be people who are lost amen unfortunately and uh, it's just it's just the facts amen there will be people that are lost because they couldn't get over something I know people who used to serve the Lord. I've watched them get offended or hurt. And the next thing you know, they are disconnected because of an offense. Whether it was intentional or unintentional, you cannot allow an offense to cause you to lose out with God. Amen. You can't let a situation be so big that you couldn't get over it. Or more accurately, that you wouldn't get over it. Because there's nothing without the grace of God that we can't get over. There's just nothing in life that, that will present itself to us that if we have the mindset and the desire, we can get over it if we choose to get over it. It's just, will we do it or will we choose not to do it? It's not that we can't do it. And uh, so, unfortunately, there will be people that are lost because they got offended and did not deal with it. Seems trivial and small today, but what if my grandmother had chosen not to get over it? 
My family wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. Everything down line from that event would not have happened because she would have lost her soul. My grandfather that watched her serve God for 20-some years after that before he gave his heart to God would not have come to God because he would have picked up her offense and, and he would have picked up her take on the situation and, and he would have not been ready to receive what God had for him even though it took 26 years. Amen. I thank God that she decided to say, you know what? It really doesn't matter in the big picture. I'm going to choose to let this thing go and get it out of my spirit. Every one of us here today know people who are holding on to or who have held on to, amen, personal struggles and issues, unfair situations, offenses, grudges, hurts, wrong, bitterness, and can't seem to shake it. Hello? This is down here where we all really live. Situations and offenses and misunderstandings and hurts and wrongs. And, you know, most times I find that when these kind of things happen, after a while it doesn't even hardly become about who was right and who was wrong or who started. It just becomes about the offense and the inability to let go of something. At some point, it doesn't even matter why it happened or what it was over. It's just that it did happen. And I'm not going to let go of it because it's become my identity. Praise God. Be careful what you won't let go of. Because someday it's going to grab hold of you. And instead of you controlling it, it's going to begin to control you. Things and events will begin to control your words and your perceptions and your thought life and your worship. Amen. You want to talk about getting your worship locked up, go ahead and just get offended at someone. Get offended at a person. Get offended at leadership. Get offended at God. Get offended at whoever you want. But it will begin to lock you up because it becomes an internal focus. Uh, amen. On how it has affected you and how much you have a right to do and feel and act like you're feeling. But amen. We do not have a right to do that because God says, I am able to help you. My grace is sufficient for you to get through that and to get over it. Instead of becoming a hostage to it, What's a hostage? Somebody that's held against their will. Somebody that's held, amen, against their ability to be free. And so we become hostages from peace, hostages from joy, hostages from contentment, hostages from a clear conscience with God, hostages, amen, that cannot rest in our spirit because we've got a subconscious filled with something we just can't get out of our mind. Maybe we could put it in these terms. It's the thing you wake up thinking about, and it's the thing you go to bed thinking about. It's your subconscious eaten up with the situation. It's a focus. It's like you can't re release yourself, constantly wrestling with the obstacle course or the rugged mountain terrain of this situation. Amen. And it's dangerous and it's treacherous. And maybe somebody here today is finally ready to get over something. I pray in the Holy Ghost that somebody came into the house today and you've been wrestling with something, but the Lord is so merciful to say, hey, you want to get rid of that because uh, where you're going, 
where you want to go, you're not going to get there unless you let go of it. Unless you can say, I got over it. That's the password to heaven. How many of y'all have been to a, an escape room? I went to my first one last week. I, I thought, what's that? That's a good question. That's what I said. I'm like, you're not putting chains on me. You're not locking me in a room. I, I live too hard to not be in a room like that. Thank you, Jessica, for getting that. I'm not going to jail. Praise God. Hallelujah. But the whole premise is not that you have to escape or you're underwater and you got... No, it's not like that. They give you clues when you get in. There's a path. There's a... There's a I'm probably not going to do the best job describing it, but there, there's a, a pathway through this room and there's clues and you've got to figure out the secret codes and all of this stuff. And usually there's combinations to locks and different things that open up the next step so you can progress through the room and ultimately get the code that opens the door to let you out, hence the name Escape Room. It's very challenging, very fun, very expensive, but... But the point is this, as I went through that room and I was thinking about this word that God put on my heart, this world that we live in is a huge escape room. And you have to figure things out as you go through life. And there are cues and clues and things that you got to figure out in order to unlock your progression through life. And sometimes things will be locked up and we'll find ourselves uh, locked up or we can get locked up by life and situations. And if we're not careful, amen, we will miss the clues that are trying to help us become freed from our incarceration, if you will. And so today, the ultimate escape is that we will leave this and go to eternity. I've got news for you. This is a great life, and thank God for it. But I'm not living for this because it's got pain. It's got sorrow. Solomon said this life is vanity at best, and I know what he's saying now because, amen, there really isn't much here to sustain that spirit man inside of you. But we're going to a city whose builder and maker is God, and it's a new Jerusalem and it's a it's an eternal place where we'll be in the presence of the Lord living for eternity that's where I'm going to and I know this that no matter what life throws me what 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 hindrance what what thing tries to stump you there is one password that you cannot refuse or miss and that is this I got over it Amen. I'm not going to be staying here because of something I refuse to do to get there. Praise God. And every one of us today, we know people who are holding on to issues and there are uncertain and unfair situations in life. And please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying I got over it just irreverently or like stuff doesn't really happen. I know there are things that really happen in life that are real life issues 
But that should not stop us from saying to those issues, I don't care how difficult it is. I don't care how hard it is. I refuse to be incarcerated by you, and I will overcome. Jesus said, offenses will come. Not they might. They're coming. And they're coming from people who love you. You know who we get hurt by the most is usually people we love the most. Amen. Can't seem to shake it. You're not careful. It will hold you before long. We're constantly wrestling. I pray that somebody here is once and for all ready to put something behind you. Amen? Ever wonder why God didn't put eyes in the back of your head? He doesn't want you looking back. He doesn't want you constantly reliving the past. There's no way that you can possibly be free from something if you keep looking back at it. It's over. It's over, so get over it. Amen? No amount of going back is going to relive it, refix it, and it's just happened. It's over. So I have to decide. I'm going to let go of it. It's a good day for somebody to put the issue under your feet and get over it and move past it and be done with it. Praise God. I've come to this conclusion in life and in my walk with God. Amen. There are some things you can get through and around, but some things you're just going to have to get over. That means I decide that I, I no longer let this thing have a place in my life. Even some, amen, things come to pass and some things fade with time. But, but there are some things you just have to decide, uh, you know what, uh, it still hurts, but I'm over it. I, it hurts, but, amen, it's over, it's done, and it's not in my spirit. No way to get through it, around it, under it. You just have to get over it, make up in your mind, and decide this thing is not going to control me. It's going to be something I overcome. Perhaps your thing is an offense. Hurt feelings. Major area for people to get over. Prime target for Satan. He'll use, the, he'll use the abundance of words or the lack of words. Hello? He'll use silence or he'll use aggression. He'll use something as silly as the lack of attention. You see, his goal isn't that there would just be a lack of attention, but he, he's ultimately trying to get people divided, offended, hurt. Amen. You know, you know, it's no secret, but most marriages that fail, fail because people didn't choose to get over something. Oh, there's more to it, but 
Proverbs says the point of all contention is pride. So that's what doesn't allow us to get over something is the, the will in our spirit, our human spirit does not want to admit that uh, I'm wrong. I can't possibly be wrong or have any part. So I've got to see it from my position and my vantage point to justify my actions so that I can hold this position. And you'll never get over something if you're not willing to, to cave in and say, you know what, this thing is not worth us losing our relationship over. Can I go further with it? This thing that the enemy tries to bring into my life as an offense or a situation, amen, to divide me from people, friendships, spouses, children, put the, put, fill in the blank. Is it worth what it's trying to do for you not to refuse to allow it to happen and say, you know what, enough is enough. I refuse to lose any territory to this situation because it's not the person you're losing territory to. It's the situation that you refuse to deal with. It's quiet, but it's right. When we humble ourselves and we refuse to let pride get in the way of making things right because guess what? Amen. You, you've got relationships involved and things are, are, are at stake here. And, and uh, we have to decide that this thing is not worth being offended over. It's not worth losing friends over. It's not worth tarnishing my walk with God. It's not worth what it costs me. I've come to the conclusion that hell is going to be filled with offended people. Hello? I said hell is going to be filled with offended people. Because we're not going to heaven with ought in our heart. I know this isn't normal Sunday morning, but we've got to make sure that our heart is not filled with anything that would cause us to be in odds with God or our brother. The thing with God is easy. Here's where it gets complicated is where you put skin on it. Where somebody has a name and a face that I can associate an offense with, then it's harder for me to get over that because I can see you and, and you don't hold my breath. So I want to make sure that I'm okay with God, but my word says that I've got to be okay with him and man. So heaven's password is I got over it, and that doesn't really imply that I got over something with God, although there are situations sometimes where people lose a, a loved one or go through a situation where, amen, the inkling or the, uh, the uh, feeling is to sometimes even get offended at God.
people who refuse to release, refuse to forgive someone or something. It's not that they can't. It's that they won't. Think of how much easier it is. Think of the discounted rate that working it out is versus carrying it. Hello? You want to talk about heavy? It's carrying this junk around. When the Lord says, just lay it at my feet. You know why? Just as sure as hell is going to be full of offended people, people with issues and hurts and things they didn't resolve, heaven's going to be filled with overcomers. No one's going to show up in heaven accidentally. You're going to show up in heaven because you decided nothing's worth me missing this. No person, no situation, no amount of money, no amount of vindication. I don't care about that. I just want to get there. And I refuse to let anything from keeping me, from keeping me to get there. People who have come over some things, family situations and spouses, It's okay just to be real. Relationships can be extremely painful sometimes. Broken homes and fathers and mothers that are fractured and Keeping it together for the kids. Let me ask you something. Is that some way for us to live? You don't have to answer, but I'm asking a question. Is it worth living that way? Or would it be better for us to drill down and do the hard necessary work? To build the relationship to where it's not a drudgery. but it's what God designed it to be. I have a feeling that's what God has in mind. He doesn't want us to just be overcomers there. He wants us to be overcomers here. Amen? To build our families and our homes. You're going to be hurt by people that you love. You're going to be hurt by leaders. Not me intentionally. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you're a leader, you're going to hurt people accidentally sometimes. Because you... You didn't acknowledge the way somebody expected you to acknowledge or even in discipline or correction, 
it was misinterpreted. Jesus said this, and I, I think this is important for us to understand that true correction is not rejection. True correction is love. So we need to understand that the Lord loves those he corrects. But if we're not careful, we can get offended at his correction. Hello. Somebody in this house is going to have to overcome abuse. Physical, mental, sexual, spiritual. Don't raise your hand, but you know who you are. and You know that God sent me here today as a messenger of love to say to you, it's the last day that something should have the upper hand on you in the area of abuse. You were not designed to carry the abuse and to the point where you are not even able to process life through the right lens because all you can see things and people and situations through is your abuse. And if you don't get a hold of that, it will get a hold of you. And what you think you manage will begin managing you. The Lord has come by today to say you've got to overcome that. Not endure it. Not tolerate it. Not somehow try to cope. But he wants you to be an overcomer. I got over that person, I got over that event, and I am moving forward. If we can't say that, can I just say it this way? If we can't say that, we are not over it. We can say we're over it, but if we keep going back to it, we're not over it. We're just going around it. And the Lord said, I don't want you to go around it. I'm here today for you to acknowledge it and say, I'm not over it yet, but today I'm getting over it. Today I'm getting over it. Today I choose to get over it. Amen. It's not that I can't get over it. It's that I haven't gotten over it. But today I am not allowing this situation to have any place in my life. Some of us need to get over self-absorption. It's not about us. Amen. We need to realize that life is not all about me. There's a bigger picture. Need to get a new, fresh perspective. 
life is not about revenge. See, that's the real deal with an offense or a hurt or a wound. Is it, it becomes about paybacks. You ever notice something about paybacks? Paybacks have to come with interest. Because if it's just on the same level, somehow you don't feel vindicated. That's why I don't like pr pr pranksters. You can put some salt in somebody's drink, but the next thing you know, they're putting strychnine in yours. You know, it's like it can't end because there's got to be this revenge. Because you didn't really get over the prank. The first thing that comes to you is, well, what can I do to get back? And it's got to be one better because I'm not going to just meet you on your level. And I know that's a silly illustration, but that's how it really works in life. If we don't get over something, then we got to, we got to ratchet it up to another level so that you pay the ultimate price for doing something like that to me. I don't read that I have that right out of this book. When did it ever say it's my right to have revenge or take revenge on somebody because they hurt me playing or joking around or seriously? I see in here that it says that I need to rejoice when people say evil things about me. I need to rejoice when people, amen, say things that about me that aren't true. Amen. I need to rejoice because why? I'm taking part of his sufferings. Instead of turning the other cheek, we want to swing the other fist. Just feels better. And now we have a very convenient way to fight with all the social media outlets. We can lob grenades from our keypad and innuendos and things that really, really you can't put it, you really can't just, uh, you know, point to it as an absolute, but, but the message was within the message and, and everyone gets it. I'm just being real here today, folks. These are the kind of things, though, that we have to get over because there are so many hurt people. I saw something come across uh, my phone the other day. Uh, it was a news thing about the social generation that is now in full swing and the damage that they have because of the, the perceptions that they have to try to live up to because of everyone else's expectations and everyone else's perceived lifestyles and all of this make-believe world that somehow this generation is trying to live up to in their own way. Well, you can say, well, social media can be good. Yes, it can be. So can a gun. So can a knife. So can, a lot, so can gasoline. Just because it can be good doesn't mean it is good. So we have to manage that in our own lives. 
And we have to refuse to allow something that somebody might say, amen, to offend us so that we begin to look through that lens and we begin to live life differently because of what we perceive somebody else to be thinking or saying. And man, it may not even apply to us, but we've got to be careful that we don't allow it to become the looking glass that we live life through. Say, what's that got to do with getting over it? Well, you got to get over it. Because it can cause people to be lost if they're not able to handle it correctly. I know it's a lost art, but whatever happened, let God be your defender. Let God deal with the situation. Let God be your strong tower. Righteous people run into Him and are safe. Don't retaliate. Don't let your offense become something you use as fuel to retaliate. David got over the fact that Saul was jealous of him. Saul hated him at one point. He just got jealous. They were rejoicing. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul got jealous. He began to hate David, tried to kill him, threw javelins at him. Wanted his very life. But I want you to look at David and how he responded correctly to someone or a situation that was inflammatory and how we need to take cues because David did not allow what somebody else did to cause him to start reacting a certain way. But in 2 Samuel chapter 4, David shows us a mature response to a person that hated him and was jealous of him and meant him harm. In 2 Samuel 4 and verse 4, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel, and a nurse took him up. And fled. So a nurse takes up Mephibosheth and begins to run with him. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that, that he fell and became lame or paralyzed. And his name was Mephibosheth. And so that's what happened to Mephibosheth. That's how he got wounded. But let's go on to uh, chapter 9 and verse 1 and look at what David's response is to Saul's family as he responds now to what's going on as king. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? So David naturally could have been out to destroy the rest of Saul's descendants because of what Saul was trying to do to him. 
Saul, is, he, he's tried to kill me. He's tried to throw javelins at me. He doesn't like me. And so I'm just going to go ahead and take out the rest of his family. But that's not what we find. David said, is there anyone from the house of Saul that I can show him kindness? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there, uh, is there not any yet of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? Boy, there's a, there's a, a secret right there. He says, I want to show the kindness of God. He was even saying, it's probably beyond me as a man to show this kind of kindness that I'm about to show. But I'm going to show anyone from Saul's lineage the kindness of God. Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he is in the house of Machar the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. And King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machar, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. Verse 7. David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Do you see that? What David is doing here. He's saying to Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, you don't deserve this, but I'm going to show you honor and respect because because of your father and grandfather. I'm going to do right by you. I have really, uh, I could be motivated to kill you. He said, he bowed himself and said, what is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto my mas thy master's son all that pertained to Saul in his house. I've restored territory back to him. He doesn't deserve it, but I did it anyway. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And th then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servants... So shall thy servant do as for Mephibosheth, said the king. He shall eat at my table as one of the king's son, sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. I want you to see the kindness that David showed, amen, a descendant of Saul that he did not have to show him. You know why David was in a position or a mindset to be able to do this? It's because he wasn't reliving the javelins. 
He wasn't going back and waking up every morning and thinking of how jealous Saul was of him. No, something got a hold of him called the kindness of God. And he says, I wonder if the king has any descendants still alive that I can show kindness to. You know he was over it or he would have never said those words. But because he got over the, the dispute with Saul and all the competition and all the things that were going on, he said, I just want to show the king, uh, uh, my king's uh, family some respect. And so he calls, and Mephibosheth is the one that's alive, uh, and, but he's lame from his waist down because he was crippled in a fall. And David said, that doesn't matter what you look like. Uh, I don't care what you look like or how bad or what you can't bring to the table. Guess what? It's not what you can bring to the table. It's who I can bring to the table. And as the king, he said, I'm going to give him a seat at my table. And guess what? When the king slides you up under his table, he hides all your lameness. He hides all the past. He hides all the effects of your fall. And you look the same as his sons from the waist up sitting at his table. What are you trying to say? David got over it, and that allowed him to put the king's son and grandson at his his table and he treated him like his sons I don't know if we can get the whole impact of this but in natural terms he should have tried to make Mephibosheth pay for his granddad's actions but he showed him the kindness of God. And that's what we need to filter all of our hurts and offenses and falls and crippling places. If we can get those things filtered through the kindness of God and truly be over some things, what a difference it makes in how we live our lives. You know who was being impacted just as much as Mephibosheth was? David's sons. Because they saw how their dad handled offense. They watched their dad and heard the stories about how Saul wanted to kill him. But David processed that right. He says, you know what? We're not going to retaliate on Mephibosheth. We're going to show him the kindness of God. You know what? For every situation you overcome, you're positioning your kids for success in God. Because they're not stupid. They don't miss it. They know when you're hurt. They know when something's not right with mom and dad. And they're just kind of probably waiting either way. How's it going to go? But when you have the character of God and you say we're not going to let that thing cause us to be overtaken but we're going to overcome it and we're going to let it make us better and in turn we're going to let it make other people's lives better you know what the greatest people to be around are people that have been hurt and offended and wounded and got over it you know why because they realize that people are people. And life is life. But life is short. And eternity is long. 
I don't have time. I don't have time to let something that hurt me here cost me going there. There's not enough time. There's not enough vindication. There's not enough, there's not enough notches on the belt. There's not a big enough score column to keep score and say, I won. I won that fight. No, you didn't win that fight. If you didn't get over it, you didn't win.